This is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge Number 2, and I'm here speaking on the level with Richard Paris. Richard, why don't you start out, give me your full name, the name of your home Blue Lodge, and any offices or titles you have connected to that lodge. I'm Richard Paris from Fresno, California. My Blue Lodge is Fresno Lodge in Fresno, California. I'm the personal representative for the Scottish Rite in Fresno for the past 16 years. Uh, Does that mean you're SGIG? No, no. Oh, sorry, okay. No, I'm the personal representative for your valley. For the valley. Okay, that's like our John Amadon in Phoenix, okay. Right. And uh, how long have you been a Mason? Uh, 37 years. It might be a little more than that. I have to stop and think, but yeah, 30. Were you raised in Fresno Lodge? Fresno Lodge. Okay, so you were raised there and you've been there for 37 years. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you first heard of this thing called Freemasonry? Yes, when I was about 11 years old. 11? Tell me about that. Well, my father uh, came from Tennessee and uh, unfortunately was not, uh, probably didn't go any further than the fourth or fifth grade of school. And uh, he seemed to be always interested in talking about Masonry, but he didn't know much about it. But his family. I'm not positive, but I think my grandfather was a Mason. I know that uh, my father's mother's father was a Mason in Tennessee. My uh, my aunt, my father's sister, uh, lost her first husband and then married a man that was a Mason. And uh, over the years, we had lots of contact. They came out to Fresno and visited and so forth. But my first remembrance of, of masonry is when I attended an installation. I believe it was in Kerman, California, when I was about 11 years old with my mom and dad. And I was so impressed. There were several gentlemen there that uh, were masons uh, that I knew through my father. And uh, I just uh, felt that these were quality men, and there was something in masonry that just inspired me. And then when I was about, see, I was 13, I uh, had a friend in, in uh, junior high school that said one day, he said, uh, how about us joining the Demolay? So I attended and I went to Fresno Scottish Rite. The building was built 1937 and we walked in the lodge room and I was all awe because I thought this was, gosh, we didn't have too many buildings like that in Fresno. But anyway, I joined and unfortunately, uh, my father was not a wealthy man and I dropped out after a short period of time, but uh, I always felt Bad that I didn't continue, but uh, as as I went on in my life through education and met various people that were Masons, and I always felt that I'd sure like to be a Mason. So, how old were you when you decided to join? Well, I got married when I was 21, and uh, I still wasn't wasn't a Mason, and. Uh, had some friends, in fact, my wife's uh, gal friend they went to school with, her husband was a Mason, and also another uh, girl that was in her class, uh, she married a 
Brother Mason. <laughs> and uh, one evening we got to talking, and I, I don't know how we obtained the conversation, but uh, in remarks they said something about, uh, I ought to be a Mason, you know, and that was about as much. And, and various times we'd meet, and they'd make a little wisecrack about it, and, and uh, I indicated that I did have interest. And so my wife, she said, very agreeable, that, gosh, you ought to join. Well, I was busy and was fortunate to get into a business and trying to make uh, survive through the business in those tough years. They really didn't have time. And then uh, I ended up having a partner, who happened to be a brother-in-law, and he joined a lodge. And he your came partner in your business? In the business. And what was the business? Well, it was a truck parts and equipment business. Truck parts and equipment, okay. And uh, anyway, we uh, were good friends as well, but he joined a lodge. Uh, at that time, I think it was Sun Garden Lodge in Fresno, California. And he came to work one morning, and he had a ring on, and Boyd had had the square and compass, and he said, now this is what you need. And unfortunately, it kind of turned me off. I just thought, you know, I don't need a ring to be successful in business. And so I put it off many years before I did join. And, uh, and how it really was pushed into it was my wife, because, again, because a plumber friend of mine who I owned some apartments and he did work for me and uh, he wasn't there one evening when I called him we had a little emergency and I was kidding him I said you told me you'd always be ready to go 24-7 and he said no he said that night was my lodge night and I said really I said what lodge and he said well I'm a mason so we talked, you know, and, and I said, well, I thought about being a Mason one time, and so he left, and my wife looked at me, and she said, there's your chance. <laughs> you ought to join. So that was really my encouragement. I did join. So how old were you at that time? I was in my 40s, Okay. and uh, unfortunately. And were you still doing the business with your brother-in-law? Well, no, he, no, we bought him out. Bought and, him out, uh, but he was gone. He was gone, and so forth, but... Uh, I continued and got involved and uh, so what so tell me a little bit about when you you called your plumber he wasn't available he said uh, I was at Lodge how long did it take or what was the process like when you started when you first visited or when you started really investigating well it was a couple of weeks I think and then I, I just a couple of weeks not that long really that's that's about it and I asked for an application and he said, well, you said the right thing. <laughs> you asked. <laughs> and uh, we went from there. And I wasn't in the lodge more than, oh gosh, about a year, a year I guess. And next thing you know, they, they, uh, I went to a practice to help them. And uh, the master at that time fired the, the junior deacon and uh, asked me to sit in that chair. So I did. And... About three days later, he called me and said, I want you to permanently sit in that chair. And, and, and I got the line. And was this in the 80s? What year was this? Uh, I finished up uh, as master in 
1979. Okay, so it was in the 70s that you went to... Yeah. Seventies that I started. Okay, you started. Okay, and uh, seventy-nine I was master, and uh, I've always enjoyed it ever since. Uh, uh, How long after you joined Masonry did you join the Scottish Rite? Well, I didn't join until in the early eighties. Unfortunately, again, it was business. It seemed like every time they had a class, because many were asking me to join uh, Scottish Rite. Well, I joined York Rite. And uh, that was a little easier as far as the time frame is of being able to attend. And I got active for a while in York Rite, and then I got busy again. And and uh, I was at I attended another lodge one evening for dinner, and uh, sitting across a brother that I knew, but uh, so forth. And he said that uh, they had a one-day class. And uh, I thought, oh, what's a one-day class? He says, well, we, we run you through there one day. It's pretty quick. But he says, you always can come back, and if you can't get it all, you're going to get it over the period of time. So anyway, I said, well, fine. So I ran down and talked to the secretary, who I'd talked to before, and I said, uh, I'm interested in joining, and filled out an application, and he signed it. And, I think I mentioned someone else as a top, top line and, and second line signer. So I went through the degrees and uh, was again wasn't in there very long. And somebody said uh, we need a spot in the logic perfection. So <laughs> and I went there and became the venerable master in 1992. And uh, that was the year that we opened the clinic. For our Fresno Scottish Rite Clinic. You opened it that year, okay. 1992. And so I had, again, with the opportunity to do some traveling and talk about Scottish Rite and philanthropy we had or starting. And uh, uh, I think I brought in 14 new, new Brother Masons all through the various, because we had 30 lodges and like we traveled. Uh, the wise master and the commander and I traveled and I gave a little talk and we always did it at the stated dinner time, dinner meetings where the ladies were there and the men. Mm -hmm. And then we started the 365 Club to build funds and uh, premeritus. What's the 365 Club of Maximilian? Well, they gave $125, I think it was, and joined that 365 and every year they participated uh, year after year uh, at, at, at 125. A club to raise funds raise, for right care clinic. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So we're here today at the uh, Scottish Rite VMAP in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're attending. What's your role in the Scottish Rite now? I'm personal representative in Fresno. Personal Scottish representative Rite, Fresno, California. Valley. Valley. So what, what, tell me what you're, you're hoping to get here, what this VMAP is about. Well, uh, you know, I have a committee that each one of these, from 1 to 10, now I think it's 11, various uh, uh, listed items in there that either we're doing or we're attempting to do. Uh, Fresno's been doing many of these over the years. I started uh, an executive committee and... Uh, for example, they work and have have uh, a mission 
to help the secretary with collecting for retention and so on and helping with new members as well. And then, of course, our, our commander, one of the lodges, he is the kind of the leader or chairman, you might say, of membership. And through him, he designates teams to go to the Blue Lodges to help bring in new members. And uh, we've been very successful at that. Uh, the only problem is our Blue Lodges are not large enough and enough of them to get new members. Uh, we're getting, I, I feel, at least 90% of those brothers that become third-degree masons to, to come into Scottish Rite. That's pretty good. But, uh, well, I, I think we've done our job, but again, we need to work back at the Blue Lodges to develop more, more new, new, brand new masons to become Scottish Rite masons. So, so tell me, I want to talk a little bit about why, why it's important, or what, let's go back to why you got into Freemasonry in the beginning. What did Freemasonry have to offer you? Why did you want to join? Well, I, first of all, it was the impression of the quality of men. See, you as I as I became involved in business, I met many, many Masons, uh, unknowing a lot of times that I was dealing with a Mason. And once uh, we got into the conversation, and he was a Mason, he was Scottish Rite, he was a Shriner, and and uh, it just I, de I developed a friendship that just bonded with, with business because I felt uh, he was an honest man and I felt I had to be an honest man if I was going to be successful in business. And uh, over the years we just had uh, uh, great success and uh, uh, I truly believe in brotherly love, relief and truth. It's just that simple. Uh, uh, I have a son that finally came into Lodge at, uh, in his forties, and I was fortunate enough to do his three degrees. And wow, that's super special. Yeah, that was special. Our, my worshipful master just did his first degree for his son, and he's waiting to do the second. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I have another son that he has my old business, and uh, he says, I haven't got time. Too busy. I, yeah. <laughs> Just like you. <laughs> He's too busy. Yeah, but... Uh, you you uh, talk about those, those qualities of men uh, being trustworthy, brotherly love, relief, and truth. Are there men in masonry that have had a big impact on your life or your journey as a mason? And if so, do you want to talk about them a little bit? Well, there's a lot, lot of individuals. Unfortunately, a lot of them have passed on. But, yeah. Uh, uh, my probably my first accountant was probably just as much uh, impressionable uh, CPA that took care of our business. Uh, he was he was a fantastic guy. He just what was his name? Uh, Wayne Town. Wayne Town. Yeah, he passed away a number of years ago, but uh, unfortunately he had three girls. He didn't have any boys. <laughs> but his youngest daughter happens to be our CPA that does our work at Fresno Forest. That's kind of neat. And I always kid her she should have an apron on. <laughs> she, I think she would, she'd come in if she could. <laughs> but uh, she's kind of a, a knockoff of the father. It's just uh, sweet and fantastic. But uh, 
uh, he did so many things. He uh, he was financially able. He he would uh, he would see a new candidate that come in, and he would give he would uh, meet him right there and, and through his degrees. And when he got through with his third degree, he would give him a life membership. And he would say, young man, I'm going to sit down and talk to you and tell you what it is. There's an obligation to this. And he'd say, wow. he said, now I've given you this That's opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I give you this opportunity. I want you someday, when you can afford it, to do the same thing for some young fellow. And uh, he did this, oh gosh, I don't know how many of those he gave in the, in the Blue Lodge that I belong to, Fresno Lodge. And then he came to Scottish Rite, he did the same thing for probably 10 years. Wow. He gave many, many scholarships to, uh, to these young people. And, with that obligation that, and we've already seen some some uh, success in that. That's a neat legacy to leave behind. Oh yeah, I just. Uh, but he was wealthy enough that he could do it, and, and uh, of course he did a lot of other things for Scottish Rite, and you know for our clinic and so forth. Any any other uh, closing remarks or stories you'd want to share about your time in masonry or about Scottish Rite or? Well, I could probably I could think about it, but I, I just off the top of my head right now I can't. But uh, what's important to you as the personal representative? You you do a lot for your valley. You're the you know I know when I think of John Amidon, he's the guy. I feel like I need to bow when I see him. Um, what do you do? I guess what's your mission right now in Scottish Rite? What are you trying to do? What's important to you? Well, under the Scottish Rite is a little dictatorial. It's a little different than lodges. Well, we have a supreme commander, and and you have your SGIGs under the commander, and so forth. And we have one in California, and uh, he says you're the boss. Well, uh, I'm the first brother, illustrious brother, that gave me the position was Doug Lemons, and I had the job. I of course read the statutes and went through, and I. Had to call him about something one day, and I said, "Doug, I said that just one thing I couldn't find. Where's the job description?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was a kind of a collapse uh, and nothing. And finally, uh, he said, "You're the boss. You make the decisions." And I, I said, "Well, okay, thank you." <laughs> but, but uh, being a personal rep, number one, you. It's uh, just like being in business. Uh, you know, it's please and thank you. And then you, the first year or so, I'm looking around at all the members, and I've got to find committee heads. I've got to find somebody I can rely on. So as I progressed, I would appoint a degree jack, a director general to handle degrees, and uh, next doing something, uh, maybe stage manager, manager uh, just on and on, so that I had a team that I could go to and say, look, this is, this is our mission, and this is what I would like to have you do. And with a please and a thank you. Uh, 
I was just so fortunate. I have the, I think the best team that I ever could have made. Because I, you know, the last 16 years, they just they function. I don't have to. They make make me look good. Just it's just that easy. But some people don't realize these are all volunteer guys right. who are just spending their own time doing this right. stuff. Right. Uh, you know, we have a clinic board that functions, and and every. I learned very quickly that if you're a clinic board member, you need to be active in that position. You need to do something, and there's a mission there for that clinic board, so you need to have a job. And the same thing, we have a cathedral board that manages the temple, and uh, our, our temple manager is our secretary, and he's emeritus to the, to the cathedral board. So these have to function together. And again, that, that cathedral board uh, has to know what's going on in that building, when it needs maintenance done or improvements or whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, every one of these, I, I, I started an executive committee probably 10 years ago, and, and those, those brothers uh, have a mission, and their main mission is to help the secretary with with dues, retention, and so on, and uh, and then they have some other uh, things in that in their mission that they will accomplish individually. But but you know you got to have an army of workers, and you've got to have the committee chairman, and that chairman works for those, and each one of them has to. Again, it's please and thank you because we're all we're all volunteers, right? And uh, that's the only way they'll ever be successful. I learned that in business. You know, you, you can hire and fire, but there's no point in, if you can't run a business smooth with success. Uh, you have to fire people all the time. It's just a revolving door. And so you want, you want to pick the best people so they're a, a leadership and they know how to be a leader and how to, how to, move, how to uh, extend some of that responsibility is below, and so that they'll carry on. Uh, it's going to be a successful operation. Well, Richard, I thank you for taking time to talk to me today, and uh, best of luck when you head back home. Yeah, well, we uh, we got to, we're going to have a ride down this time because uh, we got here. We didn't know how we were going to get to the, this location, so we had to get a taxi. <laughs>